Hello and welcome to Work Well with Stephanie Wolf, brought to you by the Whole Food Health Coach LLC, where we make your goals our goals and you're never alone on your wellness journey. Experience the information, inspiration, and collaboration of our Coach in Your Corner partnership. My name is Stephanie Wolf. I'm a National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach and proud owner of the Whole Food Health Coach, now in its ninth year and five-time winner of Best of Gwinnett in endocrinology, diabetes, and metabolism practices. Rachel Sherry and I invite you to visit wholefoodhealthcoach.com to set up your 60-minute living assessment. So I'm excited to announce a new partnership with Dr. Katherine Wigman um, of Georgia MD Direct. Georgia MD Direct is actually a uh, clinic located in Swanee, Georgia that operates on a monthly membership fee and does not take insurance. Members like me have a phone number to our primary care provider directly uh, connecting us to her at any time. So I love that. You'll hear more about it in the coming days. WorkWell is dedicated to your personal and professional health and wellness. I offer examples from my own life, health, marriage, family, and business, and I share research from, and my opinion, my faith, designed to bring you compelling content, engaging challenges, and practical body, soul, and spirit support on your wellness journey. WorkWell comes to you from my desire to live long and strong with passion and purpose, die of old age, and help others to do the same. So now from living rooms to boardrooms here on Gwinnett Business Radio X, you're listening to Work Well with Stephanie Wolf. All right, I have a letter uh, from camp here that I'm going to read to you. Hope you'll enjoy it. Dear Mom and Dad, the Scoutmaster told us to write our parents in case you saw the flood on TV and are worried. We're okay. Only one of our tents and two sleeping bags got washed away. Luckily, none of us drowned because we were all up on the mountain looking for John when it happened. Oh, yes, please call John's mother and tell her he's okay. He can't write because of the cast. I got to ride in one of the search and rescue jeeps. It was neat. We never would have found him in the dark if it wasn't for the lightning. Scoutmaster Walt got mad at John for going on a hike alone without telling anyone. John said he told him, but it must have been during the fire when he probably didn't hear him. Did you know that if you put gas on a fire, the gas can can blow up? Well, the wet wood didn't burn, but one of the tents did. Also, some of our clothes. Fred is going to look weird until his hair grows back. We will be home on Saturday if Scoutmaster Walt can get the car fixed. It wasn't his fault about the wreck. The brakes worked okay when he left. Scoutmaster Walt said that a car that old you could expect something to break down. That's probably why he can't get insurance. We think it's a neat car, though. He doesn't care if we get it dirty and if it's hot. He sometimes lets us ride on the fenders. It gets pretty hot with 10 people in a car. He let us take turns riding in the trailer also until the highway patrol man stopped and talked to us. Scoutmaster Walt is a pretty neat guy. Don't worry, he's a good driver. In fact, he's teaching Terry how to drive on the mountain roads where there isn't much traffic. All we ever see up there is log trucks. Well, this morning, all of us guys were out diving off the rocks and in swimming in the lake. Scoutmaster Walt would, wouldn't let me do that because I can't swim. And John was afraid he would sink because of his cast, so he let us take the canoe across the lake. It was great. We can see some of the trees under the water from the flood. 
Scoutmaster Walt, Walt isn't crabby like some of the Scoutmasters. He didn't even get mad about the life jacket. He has to spend a lot of time working on the car, so we're trying to not to cause him any trouble. Guess what? We have all passed our first aid merit badges. When Dave dove into the lake and cut his arm, we all got to see how a tourniquet works. Wade and I threw up, but Scoutmaster Walt said it was probably just food poisoning from the leftover chicken. He said they got sick. He got sick that way from the food he ate in prison. I am so glad he got out and became our scoutmaster. He said he sure figured out how to get things done better when he was working uh, and doing his time. By the way, what is a career criminal? I have to go now. We are all going to town to mail our letters and buy bullets. Don't worry about anything. We're fine. Love, Jordy. P.S. How long has it been since I had a tetanus shot? That's not the kind of letter that you want to get from your kid. <laughs> I hope you were uh, laughing along the way. I loved uh, it when I read it. And camp is pretty fun. I think one of those things that I uh, enjoyed only once in my life that I can recall. But this whole month, we've, uh, well, actually this whole year, we've been doing a lot of inspiring you and providing information. And remember, I'm all about encouraging you to challenge yourself, change something, improve something, let go of something, pick up something, start something. Something, restart something. And uh, we've been a lot of direction all, all through the um, this year, actually, starting with New Beginnings and then Heart Health and Marvelous Marriage Month and Spring Cleaning and Women's Health and Men's Health and Aging Gracefully. And then back to school, we did some personal development. In September, we did a lot of falling forward. The whole idea was self-care. And the month of October, I'm like, what's important about October? Pumpkins and fire pits and friendships and oh yeah football and uh, soups start uh, being cooked wearing boots again colorful leaves and so I just am going to call this month fireside chats and I like that because we have an actual fire pit out in our uh, backyard and it's going to be fun I'm having the leading ladies over to the house for a reunion in the next coming days and we're going to fire up that fire pit I hope the weather is nice and we'll enjoy some fireside chats there But today, I am going to uh, call the topic for our day, Daddy's Girls. And this week's podcast comes from an article that I originally wrote in 2005 while writing for the Atlanta Christian Family Magazine. It appeared in a monthly column that I called Family Matters, and it was this particular One was called, I Love You, Dad. And I rewrote it for you, and I'm sharing it here today in honor of my dad's birthday this week. William J. Sackett was born on October 12, 1916, known to the world as Bill. I have updated the article, of course, but I decided to keep much of it the same so that I, um, I hope it isn't too confusing for you to follow. And I hope that I can get through it without my emotion impacting my message too much. So here goes. As I write this month's article, I'm in the Sequoia Mountains speaking for the Southern Baptist Convention of California and their annual Pastors' Wives Conference. Yesterday, while I was in the marvelously decorated dining room of the beautiful property at Genesis Park, I saw something that reminded me of my dad. The theme for the week is Western and 
the work that uh, has gone into the event was pretty amazing. And it's unlike anything I've ever seen at one of these events. And I was admiring all the details that have turned this park into a bonanza set when I saw it. A shadow man leaning against the wall. It's cut from plywood and painted, um, spray painted black. My dad made and sold some of these from his garage during his retirement years. He was very crafty and could work in his garage for hours, building and painting, repainting and repurposing things. My memories of him and his business is what reminded me. And then I thought, oh, it's almost my dad's birthday. I learned a lot from him, following him around and working with him over the years. He called me Steve, or Stevie, because he wanted another son. We had two boys in the family and already four girls, so I was the fifth girl in our family. And I surprised him at birth, and I continued to surprise him as an adolescent and into my teen years, and then as a teen mom. He sure loved my sons, though, very, very much. He loved them probably more than he loved me, but that was okay with me. To him, I was always Stevie. On October 8th, 2001, my dad died of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma just a few days before his 85th birthday. He'd suffered quite a bit in the last two months of his life, and though he was a fighter, a strong man, he had kind of given up the battle and slipped into a world all his own, a very quiet world. He didn't talk much, he didn't watch TV, and he only had a sixth grade education, so he never could read very well or write very well, so he didn't read either. I would rack my brain trying to think of things that would stimulate his interest and give him a reason to live more productively, but I just kept striking out. Every visit was excruciating for me during the end of his life because he had always been so emotionally secluded, but so physically active, and now he was weak and physically um, dormant, basically, seemingly just awaiting the impending end to it all. Now immobile for most of the part of his life and kind of lost somewhere mentally, sedated most of the time because of dementia and episodes of uncharacteristic behavior, he was not the man that I remembered. So I desperately wanted him back to see if we could close the gap that I felt was between us, a gap that maybe only I felt. We didn't have the best of relationship a little girl uh, dreams of having with her daddy, so I justified my lack of pursuit in this area by saying he wasn't interested in me or in a daddy-daughter relationship with me. He did the best he knew how, though he wasn't the typical dad, the kind that cared what time I got in at night or who I was with or what I was up to. The dads of my friends seemed to have attended um, functions and drove them to and from school, helped them to understand the world's dangers and protected them from those dangers. It was tough to realize uh, that relationship I had so complained about not having with him was now quite impossible. As an adult, I know I was a dutiful daughter kissing him hello and goodbye and talking to him on the phone when mom would ask, do you want to talk to dad? I would always talk to him. And it was mostly surface discussions from, you know, mostly what was happening in our life or in our boys' life. And I, I think I continued to protect my heart at that time, kind of denying my need for his attention and my own responsibility in the relationship, saying that 
He was just a distant father, and I was his invisible daughter. But my personal healing and the discovery of my deeper than I would care to admit need for him began with a re, uh, as the result of a dream that I had about a lost little girl who was seeking her father in a big crowd. As a result of this dream and the explanation I felt in my spirit, I developed a series called Daddy's Girls in 2001. I taught it recently to my Lake Ladies Bible study at the University Yacht Club, Club on Lake Lanier, and it seems we all had a really great uh, time of just sharing our memories about our father, our life right now, and our future uh, thoughts and how we take those things into our future. So I shared how I traced my own insecurities as a child and my insatiable need for affection as a young woman back to what I considered the lack I had experienced in in my relationship with my dad. Though certainly not entirely his fault, I shared how I began to see a correlation in my unhealthy thinking patterns and my emotionally deep but empty well as I grew into my teen years and beyond. I also began to see another parallel, that of the connection between the perceived feelings from my earthly father and those of my heavenly father. I chose God as my heavenly father at 13 years old. How I believed my earthly father saw me and felt about me was somehow muddled in with how I believed my heavenly father saw me or felt about me. And the confusion of those roles both fathers played in my life kept me from feeling close to either one of them, really, but specifically to my heavenly father for many years. The more I soaked in scripture and prayed and talked to God, my Heavenly Father, about it all, um, I journaled about it some, the more truth I saw and the more loved I felt, maybe even from both dads. This is, uh, actually, this was the beginning of something wonderful. I became a daddy's girl. I thought of a father who created me, loved me, provided for me, and chose me. Well, wow, what a feeling. You're the end of a rainbow, a pot of gold. You're daddy's little girl to have and hold. Thank you to Michael Bublé for that Daddy's Little Girl song. It's an amazing song. You can listen to more of it yourself. But I dealt with those feelings head on um, during the writing of Daddy's Girls, still looking for a publisher, by the way, if you're listening. Um, I have several books in me, and they're pretty much all done, but uh, finding the right spot for them is the key. But I can still teach those lessons and that I wrote with immense passion and conviction. Though I can honestly say back then, I still only had an elementary understanding of the process that would follow. I didn't understand it all, but I was sure seeing the light of its power over my, perceived, uh, my perception of the kind, loving, and gentle, compassionate role of my Heavenly Father and His provision for me. It has been and is a journey. 
my dad was not abusive to me in any way, and I certainly am not um, discounting any of you who have experienced worse scenarios than I have. Um, but the stories that I have of him, a lot of them are fun to tell, as he was a bit of a pistol, a troublemaker, a quote-unquote salesman of all kinds of things, and other things that I'm not going to share here. But I've never painted my dad in a negative light because I realized that it was still my choice that often got me in trouble or um, my opinion or my perception or reaction of the scenario. And I think the gap between us in our relationship was never all his fault. And the more I grew in my understanding of this topic, the more I realized I had to shoulder some of the responsibility, at least for the hardness of my heart. This healing began uh, to heal both my heart and my dad's heart in the final years of our lives together. As I leaned in with kindness and tenderness, he received it with all the love he could offer. This realization led me to write a letter to my dad the month before he died. We had been living in Georgia at this time for about 15 years by then, traveling back and forth to see them when our schedule would allow We were church planters and had left our home in northern Indiana to start a church here in Georgia, and um, and dad and mom would come and visit some as they were able to, um, especially for the big events, until they just couldn't do it anymore. Writing this letter was important because I didn't think I could make it back in time to say my goodbye the way I wanted to, um, to say it as he left earth for his heavenly home. I asked my mother to read the letter to him. My mother said to me, Steph, that's what my mom calls me, um, why in the world are you asking him to forgive you? I explained as best I could, then she put the phone to his ear and I began to read it to them both. Though I didn't know if he'd be able to comprehend it, I was too uh, afraid that I wouldn't make it back in time to visit, um, which was just a month away. I know he may not have been able to grasp all that I said in the letter, um, all that I needed to say. I was sorry. I asked him to forgive me for not appreciating him for what he had done. Uh, for me as his daughter. I asked him to forgive me for not pursuing a closer relationship with him and for expecting him to pursue me. I told him I was sorry for disobeying and disappointing him or even embarrassing him as I caused the family by getting pregnant at 15 years old. I told him I regretted not getting to know him better when I had the chance and how much I wish I could get those days back. Mom said his eyes began to tear up, probably just like mine are now. Um, And I remember saying, I love you, Dad, which was followed by the words that he always formed in response, me too. In my mind, I saw much more than that, I'll be honest, but I'll take it. And I had done what I needed to do, and I felt free from uh, all the disappointment with him. It was so helpful to me in my future walk. From that day on, I began to see him and our past altogether differently, humbling myself, seeing my own actions for what they really were, and acting on the conviction by, uh, by both in writing and later during my visits that led me to share with him and, um, and talk about the loss with no regrets. 
When dad died, I had only memories, good memories, great memories, some of them, of days gone by. I realized my relationship was my responsibility. And sometimes the reliving and retelling of my childhood years and and uh, putting maybe more of a negative thought in my head about what was not right about it all from my perspective. I had always thought it was up to him to close that huge gap between us or the gap that I felt was in the relationship. And I believed uh, him, I blamed him, I believe, for his neglect or what I considered neglect. Oh, he, you know, had, he certainly had his own issues in that department, but it was his business to deal with. I had my own things to deal with, and when I did, it was so freeing. I regret that I realized this all too late to make much of a difference. I even got mad at the Lord for not making me see this sooner. What he said to me was, you were too busy focusing on his shortcomings and faults, which was really true. Once I stopped focusing on my dad's failures or shortcomings, I began to see some of my own. Scripture says in Romans twelve eighteen, as much as it is up to you, live at peace with all men. And at this time, I thought it was up to my dad all this time. I was waiting around for him to do something about the distance, to notice me, to make peace. It was, I was just expecting him to take the high road to pursue me or call me or reach out to me. After all, he was the father and I was the daughter. Wasn't it up to him to draw closer to me? All the while, I was waiting and questioning and complaining and feeling rejected and empty. I was missing valuable time with my dad. I had been just as neglectful, just as distant, and just as responsible for the lack of closeness between us. I wish I'd learned that lesson sooner. I wished I'd have paid attention sooner. But better late than never, right? Well, on the other side of our family, my husband's father died the following January 16th. Jack Sr. suffered a stroke some weeks before, and due to complications from his paralysis and his weakened condition, he quickly went from bad to worse. On the day of his death, knowing not much time had remained, my husband and I jumped on a plane and flew to Indianapolis, Indiana, rented a car, and drove to the nursing home about an hour away. We spent four hours there while my husband cried and stroked his hair. Um, He was pretty motionless and non-responsive at the time, a 72-year-old father. And this father and son had endured many difficult challenges, to say the least. Years ago, my husband had resolved the pain of a dysfunctional and often traumatic relationship with his father to the best of his ability and journeyed to the health, uh, becoming the most healthy dad that this world's ever seen, in my opinion. So he has been an amazing dad to our two boys and uh, to their children, a great-grandpa, Papa. And I just praise God for that. While Jack Sr. and Jack Jr. never had the best of relationships or the relationship that probably, I believe, at least, that God intended for them to have, there in that veteran's hospital room with three small hospital beds, one occupied by my father-in-law, I listened as my husband poured out, an honest, caring offering of forgiveness from a son to his father. My Jack shared good memories of his dad, some stories I'd never heard before, and he thanked Jack Sr. for various things like sharing his love of golf with Jack 
and uh, for his dad sending him to uh, Arnold Palmer's Golf Academy in Vermont and passing down the trade of um, becoming a journeyman brick mason and for forcing Jack to learn to play guitar right-handed, even though he was left-handed. So I couldn't help but wonder if he'd wished he'd said things sooner. But the good thing is, he was saying them now. You might think this message is about death, but it's not. It's actually about life. Both these men, our fathers and their children, had a less than perfect relationship, probably like every listener um, right now. And distant at best, maybe challenging and not without conflict. Both these men struggled to show their affection, their love, compassion, and even an interest at times in their children. But when it was all said and done, it was the children that seemed to have the most regrets. Why didn't we fly to see him um, with such fervor when he was alive? Why did we spend the money flying, renting a car, racing across town to spend the last few moments with him now? Why now? when he doesn't even seem to know we're here. And yet we're pa- we've passed his house so many other times on our way somewhere else, many times on our way to church. I suffered, or we suffered, actually with guilt over those things and other questions that we ask ourselves over and over. Then I realized that at a time like this, no matter how much time or how amazing our relationships are with our dads, and there's, or how close we were or felt to them, we would always think it would never be enough or it should have been more. Well, we both miss our dads, but I know one thing for sure. We began a routine of calling our moms more and valued our visits with them until we lost them too. I want to offer you some another parallel between me and my Heavenly Father for you to consider. God, my Heavenly Father, initiated the relationship between us. He created us. He loved us. He chose us before the foundations of the world. He knit us together in our mother's womb, Scripture says. He redeemed us from sin even before we knew we needed redemption. His love covers a multitude of sin. He has a plan for us, plans to prosper our soul and heal our wounded hearts. It's up to us to cultivate the relationship that he initiated and to grow close. He's always there. We simply need to go to him. He wrote to us through his word, and it's full of truth. Just like my dad uh, was always there for me, I just lacked the sense enough to pursue him and to ask the right questions and get to know him in his world a little bit more. The same is true for my relationship to the Heavenly Father. Daily we can pass right by Him on our way to somewhere else, even to church. We can neglect the Heavenly Father or that father-daughter relationship, expecting Him to do all the cultivating and connecting. After all, He is the Dad. I don't in any way minimize what I was feeling or what you may be feeling about the loss of your dad or my lack of relationship with him. That was very real, and I'm doing what I can now to live what I have learned and to maybe help you do the same. I wish I would have told him all of the ways uh, that in my heart in the living years that he had blessed me. I wish I would have maybe placed a higher value on those living years. I wish I knew then what I know now, but maybe I'm helping you know something now. 
if your dad's still around and if you're hearing this message and maybe it inspires you, may I suggest that you pursue him? Get to know him. Ask about his life. You may find that there are some reasons for the lack that you might see in his life. Maybe there's a lack in your own life. Or maybe it's the way you're looking at things that just like me. And perhaps you will concentrate on those living years with all of those with whom you have uh, the opportunity to share your earthly life with today. So in closing, and probably most importantly, I strongly suggest that you strive to concentrate on the relationship with your Heavenly Father. He initiated a relationship with you and is waiting on you to build that relationship with Him. 2 Peter 1.3 says, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. It's a great scripture for today. And then final scripture for you. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. James 4, 8. Reach out to your dad, your mom, your son, your daughter. It's not too late. Make the call. Write the letter. Schedule the time for a visit. Ask forgiveness. Offer forgiveness. Close the gap. Build a bridge. Even if it's just for you and your wellness journey, do it now. Tomorrow is the enemy of today. No more regrets. Live life in the living years where it counts, because family matters. Well, you've been listening to Work Well with Stephanie Wolf, brought to you by the Whole Food Health Coach LLC, where we make your goals our goals, and you're never alone on your wellness journey. For information about our corporate wellness programs, virtual classes, or our individual coaching programs, go to wholefoodhealthcoach.com. Our coaching is available virtually anywhere in the country. I'm Stephanie Wolf, wishing you well personally and professionally. See you next week live or on your favorite podcast channel. Until then, choose life.